0: this is uh in fact you know what i'm gonna i'm gonna let you do the honors here because it's uh it's your 50th so yeah it's
1: a Such. special one so on the 50th episode you have got Jamie carriga
2: thanks Andy. thank you
1: <laughs> special day today mate it is 11 years since i was blown up in afghanistan and yeah. it's obviously the 50th uh, podcast as well so it's a special one so i appreciate you doing it mate nice one yeah thank you um, yeah. Uh, the I- whole idea was doing it was we launched it a year ago and it was to just get interesting people on people who have different lives uh, and talk about it in that sense and. So I, I you waited for me to be number fifteen. <laughs> I <laughs> thought you're quite big time. Not got your own podcast and all that now, aren't you? So yeah, I've seen you getting one. So I had to blow your own up. up the water. But um, what I wanted to start with, how we met. Obviously, I um, I was blowing up. Fucking my whole world just kind of come down crashing, and then that's kind of when you came into my life, come and visit, visited me. For you, the two questions wants to start with is one, the kind of not so much it had an impact on you, but one, did you kind of know what you were getting into coming to see me then? And also the pressures of being a local lad. You must kind of get that stuff all the time. You know, feeling the feeling the pressures of having to... Obviously, you're a nice fella anyway doing that thing, but, I mean, especially when you were playing, having to... Did you feel the pressure of kind of being that person in the community? No, uh, I
2: wouldn't say pressure, just... I mean, a lot of people ask you about, you know, being in in the public life, if you like, and getting asked to do things or being playing for Liverpool and all different things, but well, you don't know any different, so it's not like, you know, I was, I went to school, within a couple of years I was I was playing for Liverpool, so it wasn't like I had this long life of whatever, and then all of a sudden I was, I was thrust into the the limelight, if you like, so I've always, always had it. And I think where we're from in Bootle, uh, grew up there, obviously, and it's you know, it's a tough, rough area. Same as anywhere in Liverpool, most places in the country, and I think The big thing where we're from is you know, you don't forget where you come from and, and you try and help people as much as you can. You can never do enough, you know, there's always something you could have done more or whatever. But someone you know, if someone's sick or a, a kid or whatever it may be, you, you go around. And it was my father in law, wasn't it? Mm. It's normally actually my dad who people go to, and you know, well, I, I
1: drank f- with well, Carl, didn't I?
2: The, yeah, the so you drank with my brother in law. So that was uh, a. it's at the posh end of the bootle, mm. it's not Marsh Lane, is it? <laughs> uh, the Lineker. and uh, me. My father-in-law, John, just said, could you go down and see this lad? He's he's been, uh, well, he's obviously had a bad accident away with uh, Afghanistan, was Mm -hmm. it?" And to be honest, a lot of people ask me to do things like that. And and I'll be honest with you, I don't really think about it too much until I'm there, Mm. really, because, you know, you've got that much busy going on. So it's not like I'm days thinking, I wonder what this lad's going to be like or whatever, because there's always something going on. And it's just, okay, I've got to go and see him on that day, at that time, and I'll just think, okay, what? But make sure I know his name, I just, <laughs> and just I th- and I can talk to people. I can keep a, a conversation going and make someone feel mm. alright or you know what. And that's just through doing it, you know, meeting people and I know what it's like sometimes. If what was he like when you walked in? Was he in, in a bad way? Yeah, I mean, I just wasn't expecting it. I just listen. I don't know what I was expecting, but there was just bars
1: and wires and everything just coming out your leg, yeah, wasn't that's it. Bad, and, yeah. You doing and you screwed do underpants. Yeah. <laughs> I still had that big cage on my leg, like, and the reason I asked that was because one of my mates, right, from uh, Bootle, come down to visit me when I was in hospital, and he fucking fainted. He drove all the way to Birmingham, was there fucking two minutes, saw my leg, and, and then just, fainted. just collapsed. Then he had to go to A&E, because he fucking <laughs> fell off the chair, banged his head. He'd come to visit me in Birmingham, and then spent the whole visit in fucking A&E. Jesus. So it's like, when people come in, I don't think they even, and they met me, I don't think they kind of knew the severity of it. That's mm. why I asked, it. it was a bit of, it must have been a bit fucking mad for you, that's all. Like,
2: yeah, it was. Uh, as I said, I wasn't expecting it. And, uh, see, now, I don't know, you, you, because you, possibly because you were in such a bad way, that's why you probably keep in contact. If it wasn't so bad, you just, like, mm. it wasn't the norm when you go and see people, yeah. basically. So I think that's why we've probably
1: stayed in, uh, in contact. Mm. Yeah, the big thing as well I wanted to touch on, I think it's, we talk about it all the time, is I just think the transition from the military for me was quite, was quite difficult in the sense of, you know, one minute I'm in the Marines, the next minute I'm blown up. And then when I come out the Marines, all that structure and that purpose that you once had, it's totally gone. Mm. And I always think of it, I just don't know what it's like, but someone like footballer, but even someone like a boxer as well. You imagine someone like Ricky Hatton, you know, in Manchester, 50,000 people screaming his name. And then all of a sudden, that all stops. That all stops, yeah. What did you find? Did you kind of struggle with that or when you stopped playing? No, I didn't. Uh, and a lot of footballers do. Yeah, I think you were telling me, I think we got to train once and you said something like 70 or 80% footballers are either divorced or bankrupt or something like that. Yeah, there's something
2: like that. There's figures from the PFA. I mean, it may not be... I think it's definitely around about 50%, maybe just more than that. But no, I mean, I knew when I was retiring 18 months before... And uh, I can honestly say I didn't... People say to me, how oh, do you miss playing? Of course, you wouldn't want to be putting a red shirt on I'm, I'm playing for Liverpool. It's amazing, but I, don't, I can assure you it doesn't keep me up at night. So it's not something I think about enough. I'm very, very organised. I know what I do. I like routine. I don't think, I think... Are you still but, kept that discipline? Yeah, i come yeah. to the gym every day. I, the one thing I did f- fear... Not fear, because it wouldn't have happened to me, was that, was that just getting up in the morning and thinking, what am I going to do today? Mm. And I always remember uh, Willie Miller... It was like a local comedian in Liverpool. He used to look after former... Not look after them, but, you know, on the circuit. He'd make sure they would have gigs or speaking arrangements or different things. And he just said, always fill your diary. And it's always stuck in my head that... I wouldn't say I'm actively trying to fill my diary. I'm, I'm fortunate with, with Sky and different things I have. My, my diary's always full, or my days are. But I've never had that thing where I wake up in the morning and think, what am I going to do? What, what am I going to do with the rest of my life? Or whatever it may be. I uh, I love my life, you know, what what I've got now and I love playing for Liverpool, but the thing I've got now with Sky and being able to have, you know, your kids and being at home and coming to the gym every day with the lads. is just like going to Melwood for me and <laughs> having a crack doing my gym and I'm finished at twelve, one o'clock and I always got something to do in the afternoon, a couple of bits and bobs and then you picking the kids up, you mm. know. So it's I've always had uh, that sort of structure. I've never really bothered me and I've never been one who who's looked back and think, oh, God, I wish I was playing. Give me one more year and all I'm a bit like, I've done it. It was great. I loved it. I'm doing yeah, something yeah, else yeah. now. Mm.
0: And how, how, how what, what does it actually look like then when you when you retire then? does Are you actively searching out for the skies of the world and that sort of thing? Or do they come to you? Or how, how does that, how did it work for you anyway? Well, well I knew I, w- I was going to retire
2: and I'd always had it planned a couple of years before. I think if you'd have asked me when I was 30, I'd have been a manager. And then the longer it was going, I started taking me badges. I went down the academy, Started doing my B licence. That was with John Flanagan's age. He was about 15. I think Jack Robinson was there, maybe Andre Wisdom. So I was taking them to get my B licence. I got that. I didn't love it, really. And then it made me think... Because I think for most footballers, if they can, if they got the option, they stay in the game or they probably do punditry yeah. in, in some way. And then I did ITV punditry for a, a Euros. I think it was 2012. So probably 12 months before I finished... It was almost like just dipping me toe in it. See what actually, I love the TV, because I just love talking about football. Yeah, yeah. uh, Really. And so then I started thinking, okay, it looks like it's gonna be more punditry. And I think Sky then got onto me agent because they'd seen the the stuff with, with ITV. Would you be interested type of thing? And I thought, oh yeah. And people always ask me about retiring. And what why I retired retired too early. Okay, that's you know, that's that's a pin. Who knows if I'd have carried on with what it'd have been like, but I retired. one of the reasons I retired was one, I didn't want to be sub anymore. I didn't like being sub. I didn't want to embarrass myself in a Liverpool shirt and let the club down and the supporters. Shut that fucking door. Honest oh, <laughs> <nice> to God. <laughs> yeah, go ahead, uh, come on, man. <laughs> On. Is that staying in now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to it now, lad, aren't you done? Uh, <laughs> where was I? Uh, <laughs> you, you were you're talking about IT yeah, there, yeah, So they were the reasons why, and also one of the reasons why was that you think of Frank Lampard, Danny Murphy, Rio Ferdinand, they were all my age or. I think Danny's a year above, the, uh, Frank's my age and Rio's a year below, but all we'll getting to that stage when we were close to retiring, and I knew they'd be people who could go on the TV, I yeah. haven't worked with them, I knew they'd be, they knew the game, mm. and they, they could talk about football, and I thought, I actually retired before all of them, now I wouldn't say it was just like that, but that was another thing where I thought, Sky want me, these, this, these are still playing, Yeah, right, just get out now, just get out now as mm. well. And you'll have that sort of head start. You can get that job before then. Because I think the three of those, well, Frank's a manager now, but I think Danny's great on TV, Real all the same. And I think Frank, whenever he finishes management,
0: he'll, he'll go back on TV as well. Because it, I, I, it, obviously, when that first time you went on ITV, it must be quite hard because, like, in itself, from, from an outsider, it looks quite difficult in terms of, you know, you've got to have an opinion, you've got to structure the way you you, you talk about the game. You know, it's not just, uh, you know, you can't just and blind and, you know, talk about it like that. So mm. it must be weird, like, because you don't get any training for it, do you? You don't, like, you don't have to do a journalism degree or, you know, none of that. It's literally... No, like- but I, I, I learned so much in the... in I learned a so lot that I still think about
2: now with ITV really now I think some people are made for TV and some people struggle with it I I wouldn't I'm not a nervous person or I'll just give something a go and it w- I wouldn't be scared to be poor at it and people criticise okay it's not for me but I wouldn't hold back in a, in a saying opinion or talking about the game or different things no but you, you learn so much like a little thing of, remember the ITV thing was when a replay's coming in you've got to be talking about that actual thing that's happening and not. So you might be talking about something else, and because you keep talking too long, they start want to replay in, and you're actually talking about something else, but what people are almost seeing is slightly mm. different. So you might be yeah, talking yeah. about a goal that's gone in, and you're still describing the goal, and the next couple of shows keep keeper making a save. Mm. Just just a little thing that stuck with me, a fella told me after one of the shows, it just stuck in my head. It's pretty obvious in some ways, <laughs> really, but... Uh, and then went to Skyline so much in those first couple of years now and i'm probably at a stage now where i've been doing pundits for five or six years i'm not going to change and i'm probably not i'm not going to get any better i'm not going to get any worse it's, this is what i do and i'm no no one's perfect at anything mm. and there's probably things i do that are not 100% right but that's just my style mm. and i'm probably at the stage now when other people are coming to tv i, I can pass on a mm. little bit what people passed on to me yeah, when i yeah, first yeah. started really about uh, when you make a point. Lock it, rocking it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm <still curious. laughs> Amateurs here, aren't we? Uh, so, I think the thing about TV is you're on TV for, say, a show's three or four hours. And you're going to say so much. People will only remember two things the most. Two, three, maximum. So you've got to know when the time is to, to really... Go for it. Mm. I think if you you're coming out with outlandish things and being really strong and aggressive on everything, it's a bit like if that's for the full show it's too much. Yeah. You don't want to watch yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, it is, and yeah. it just it's, it's rent a quote. You just got to think. And there might be shows where you think it's not the show to go big or strong. And it's a it's a go. For, it's it's a show for praise or it's a mm. it's a show. This team is doing really well. In some ways, even before a game, you sort of know what the narrative will be. Whatever the the score will be. In some ways, if, if this team lose this game, they're, they're in big problems or this yeah, manager's yeah. in big problems or if this team win again, they're on a great run. So you sort of know beforehand uh, how it'll be. Now, I'm, I'm my next game is Chelsea-Man United mm. on a Monday Night Football. I already know two weeks before, if Man United lose that game and lose badly, that's a big Man United night and that's going strong on Manchester United. Yeah, yeah. Again, Yeah, you know, for them, probably unfortunately. But... But with Chelsea, if Chelsea lost, it's not something you go massively strong because mm. they'd still be in the top four. Mm. They'd still be ahead of United, or they, you, you know, you sort of have. Think. Okay, I've got. It's like, like maybe going into a game. You know, you're coming up against thing, and you know, we've got to be ready for that one, or I've got to be ready for that.
1: And I, I think of it a little bit like that with TV. Mm. What well, did you did the um, the the accent to slowing down? Did you did you have? Because I know doing the speaking gigs when I first started. I remember doing one in London and you're like you need to slow down when you talk is that <laughs> something that sounds stupid but were you mindful of that a little bit I think a lot of people thought Jamie
2: get at Sky the Scout's accent and how fast I speak now don't get me wrong sometimes my family say to me you've got a TV voice in yeah. that way you slow it down and you naturally slow down and then sometimes thinking, I'm going too slow yeah. really because at the start I, I did used to watch myself back and that was a bit of advice I got you know just watch yourself back and you do pick up a little th- I don't do that now because I said I just think I'm I've, I've, my style is what it is now really but yeah there is there is a, a thing of when you're speaking of you know and especially when you want to make a big strong you think I've got a really good point to make here mm. just take a breath and just make sure you get it out right and nothing's lost or nothing mm. is thingy and that's another thing of there's an art of that isn't it? Yeah, is, th- yeah I think one of the best piece of advice I was giving your best lines are in vision which means there's no point saying something really good because you know when you're going to say something good or you're going to go strong on something that it's over the replay. Because if you're at home, you're half watching the replay, you're not even listening to what someone's saying. Mm. It's like right, the camera's on you. Bump, mm. take your time. Bamf, get your uh, you know your point across. Yeah, so yeah. yeah, it was a little bit like that. Uh, definitely, I think as you as you grow older, you, you, your accent softens a little mm. bit and, and different things. And even when you're you them with people, maybe a little bit more down south or yeah, people in yeah. the sky, you're not just in the gym with the lads all the time. I used to get it all well. the
1: time anytime I was <clears throat> up in the Marines in Scotland, i would come back and the lads would be going, You sound like a fucking wolf. You know? <laughs> and then if I'd spent a few weeks at home and go back to work, they'd be like, oh, You can tell you've been at home for a bit. Just yeah, but yeah. when
2: I went to Liverpool, I always remember it in Liverpool. We call it the you know, the, the pictures. Yeah, and when you go away, they call it the cinema, and I come back and be seeing the cinema, and if I go, "What? it's The pictures?" And I'm like, you just get you when you somewhere so long, you just you pick up the uh, the odd little bits, don't you? Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah.
1: One thing as well, I think is, uh, and there's probably a ton of stories that you won't be able to say on here now, but I think, and it'd be interesting to see if you think it's important or not. In the Marines, when you passed out of training, you went up to your unit and you done something called a joining run. And that was just an initiation ceremony. You were called a sprog and when you were one of the new lads and that was it. And it'd be your job to fucking make all the tears. I mean, years ago, back in like, I think the 70s and 80s, it apparently was really bad in the sense of for six months you had to wake up and make everyone's breakfast, you know, every day. And it was just that kind of, it was what happened. It still happens a bit now, but not as much. I'm guessing what I've, I've worked at the academy, I know how much, how you the given evidence type thing in that sense. Where do you think it's gone too far and do you think there's still a place in the game for having that kind of you wouldn't call it bullying your character building I guess it's called mm. that kind of well
2: you hear some horror stories but, I mean it wasn't even that
1: tough at Liverpool when people are saying oh it's so
2: easy now and, and what we had to do I, I mean what did we have to do we had to come in at, we had to be in at nine o'clock the first team players would come in at ten you had to put the kit out Oh, people always say, who was your boot boy or oh, did you have to clean boots for? It wasn't that. I think there was one or two lads who cleaned everyone's boots. I used to have to look after the shorts, make sure everyone's shorts were out. I mean, it was easy. <laughs> it, was, it was not, you know, people have this thing that people were down toilets cleaning and, and stuff like that. It was, It wasn't like that when I was uh, involved. And I have no problem with, listen, I, I nev- and I, I think about this with pundits, i never be one of those people who say, in my day they did yeah. this, and mm. it, life moves on. You know, do, would I rather my son go to an academy or be cleaning a toilet or be outside working on his left foot? Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, yeah. you know. people <laughs> say, oh, point, yeah. it's like this thing, oh, you've got to be ground down to the ground and then it'll make you fight for a different thing. Life moves on. Life's not like that no more. And You know, you have to
0: adapt to it now and it is different. Uh, in, the, in the academy, you know, obviously you're here in schools now, kids getting like eighth place trophies and that sort of thing. That doesn't happen... Like in academies, does it in terms of giving them eight, eighth place trophies, you know? And it's if you're first, you're first, you know what I mean?
2: Yeah, but I don't think academies are a place where you get trophies, no.
0: really. Uh, you know, like, like you hear it in schools, don't you? Like people, like the, like yeah, the participants think, kind of, yeah, also. that's it, that's that's the yeah, that I was winner mentality
2: for, yeah. and stuff. I mean, I always remember when I was about 12, 13, we used to have like a an end of season thing at Liverpool at Anfield, and it was. Basically, I haven't got a certificate. Basically, that was it. But I remember them giving me a pair of boots in front of everyone. I'm thinking, oh my god, I've got these like these still pitching on these Adidas boots. And, be, and, and two or three lads got them out of probably a, must have been a hundred kids there from different ages and that stuff like that. So I, that was the only thing I can remember. Uh, then at the time, but it felt uh, like a really big thing hmm. going on that had been picked out out of all these kids. Steve Highway, uh give me a pair of. Uh, all these fancy boots that they wear at the time and I remember people mention it like a year or two later you know <laughs> the kids so you know you think thinking well maybe I'm taught up <laughs> quite well, yeah. I live. But, but it wasn't a case of that's more I think what you're talking about is like Sunday League football and they have a, mm. an award setting yeah, at the yeah, end of the, yeah, you know, most improved player this and basically before you know it, everyone's, everyone's got a, got a trophy. Yeah, everyone's yeah. got a trophy. But I I, listen, I don't think there's no harm. I think those type of kids know they're not gonna be professionals. It's making a fuss of them the parents today, making sure everyone's got something to take home with them. I don't think I think when you're talking about actually people in academies and and different things, I think it'd be totally
1: different. Mm. With that you're saying about the b- boots, was there a moment, whether you know, you're know you just playing in a playing in bootle, playing footy, or whether it's Sunday League or at the academy, when you thought, nah, you know what, I reckon I've got a good chance here. What age was that?
2: I think, I obviously knew, I, the first thing I can remember as a kid is uh, when I was first year junior, so I would have been probably seven. So, you're right, it's a nonsense now, isn't it? Year one, two, three, and four. And yeah. all. I don't have <laughs> a clue where I am. So, it was like first year junior. So, then you had second year, third year, fourth year. When we we, we played, we'd done P once outside on, on, on Marsh Lane at St James's. And this is the first time we, as a group of kids, had, had kicked the ball. Now, I'd kicked the ball before, but I mean, there's like a class, i on the field and right. Now, the year above us, we're playing like a bit of a proper game. Mm. on the next pitch, and the teacher just went like, you just almost like wanting and in. You know, there's one goal and the lost teacher's just running around after the ball. I just remember in five minutes, the teacher just went like, you're coming on that pitch. I just, I can't even remember what I did mm. in the thing, but he just went straight to you, are going on that pitch. And by the end of that year, I was actually playing with the 40-year juniors in the games. So I would have been probably seven or eight playing with the 11-year-olds. I wasn't starting, and I was actually sub Uh, so that was like three years above myself so I'd come on the last few games of the season and then the year after I was just playing in the team so I was two years younger than everyone and where Uh, did
1: that come from just playing in the the streets? I
2: don't know I can't even I mean I remember going to Bruni as a kid my first thing I remember going over the North Park I used to just go over myself and just Shit, I'll be playing on my own, really, just pretending you know you're going through scoring in the cup final or whatever it may be the normal stuff. But I was always around football people and listening. I always, my dad took me to football, mm. he was a manager of Sunday League team. So on a Saturday and a Sunday, I'd get taken to uh Chaffers, Brook Vale, Windy Harbour, which is where the Liverpool's new training ground is going to be in mm. Kirby. Uh, all these pictures around Liverpool, I'd, I'd be there and uh. Just watching my dad on the sideline. I'd be going in the van with the fellas, listening to them speak and talk about football in the dressing rooms. I can still that smell of a dressing room, not a professional dressing room, I'm a Sunday league mm. dressing room of men. Of like, you know, it's filthy, there's mud they're all in and out the showers. I mean, it's minging it, but you just that's I can never get as soon as you smell it, you think, ooh, that reminds me a yeah, bit yeah. of a Stadium or Brookvale, Vale or it just takes me back to it. So I I think I was not I was not the best at anything at the level of when I got to a Premier League level when I was at Liverpool. I wasn't the fastest, I wasn't the best on the ball, I wasn't the biggest, I wasn't the quickest. Anything you can think, any box you want to tick, I was not the best at anything. But I don't think anyone at Liverpool had a better football brain than me. Mm. And and I think that's why I can talk about football on Sky... Uh, I would back myself in a, in a debate and arguments, remembering football. No, I had a fucking
1: bet with you the other week. You fucking had me off with that. You, oh, was you, it? Football, like, I don't think, again, not as friends or, you know, as, as massive football fans, you can always remember games, but I don't think I've to anyone who remembers so many games. Well, football knows as much.
2: But that's not a case of actually going home and reading up, but I just, I always remember games and what happened in games. I'm, and my point of being is, I think because I was around football, people from probably four or five years' age, listening to men speaking about football. After my dad's game, we'd go back to the pub. I'd just be playing pool, you know, get a you know, glass of Coke, crisp. People are getting drunk talking about football. i have Everton go on, i have Liverpool go on, watching the scores come in and just, mm. you know, I was aware of, really aware of football, understood football. From I was going to watch Everton from 1984, so I was seven. And again, going to the game with men, speaking about the players, who you think is a good player, who's a bad player, who you're coming up against, listening to fans in and around. you. Know, just, I was constantly getting football, and I think that's why I possibly do the job that I do now. And as I said, I back <clears> myself football mental or certainly understanding the game as well as anyone I ever played with.
0: Did your dad really push you? Was he sort of a pushy parent to one of those parents like Serena Williams's? Dad, I think really. Yeah, we speak about this all the time. Yeah. Is whether
1: that's kind of. We spoke to Kev Ellison, his lad turned around and just said one day, I'm sick of it, dad. I don't want to play anymore. Mm. Do you find that was your dad? And what are you like now with James in the sense no, that? No, I mean,
2: to be honest, it's a funny one that I don't think a pushy parent's a bad thing.
1: Mm.
2: And I said that to my wife, and I class ourselves as pushy parents, but not in a not in the sense, pushy as in we take the kids everywhere. <laughs> we, don't, we don't. We don't think oh, I don't want to take me here to dance, or do you have to take James to football? It's a bit like, no, we do. Yeah, we yeah. have to do it for them. Yeah. And maybe we, not not we'll get the rewards, they'll get the rewards mm. at the end, but, and don't get me wrong, there was times when our daughter went to dance every night after school, still does, but there would be the odd time, if she'd like, oh, I don't, and she'd be like, no, we're going. Yeah, you're not yeah, missing yeah. it, you're going. So if you class that as a pushy parent, yes, but not pushy as in, and my dad, it wasn't like that when I was a kid because it wasn't like at the academy every night. It was only going once a week. you would have Sunday football, the school's football on a Saturday. But it wasn't actually get, get in the yard and get the ball or we're going <laughs> yeah, to yeah, practice yeah. this. It was nothing like that. Mm. Uh, and I'm not, my dad, people always say this and, and I find it strange when people say, oh, my dad's my biggest critic. I always hear that. And and in some ways they're trying to give off this image of like how we're humble they are, or the dad's the biggest you know, doesn't let them give up with the station. My dad was my biggest supporter, and my my son's biggest supporter, and there's nothing worse I felt. And my dad never done it to me was if I've played well, if I haven't played well, I don't want my dad telling me in the car what I did mm-hmm. wrong, yeah, yeah. or having mm-hmm. a dog at me, or no, me, i mean, I've never done that. So, mm. that, I think when people say pushy parents, I think they think that, yeah. where if, if, if the kid hasn't done well, you should have done this or you should have done that. And my dad never did that yeah, to me. Yeah, and I've never yeah. done that to my son. I'll speak about it to me, son when we get in the house or just be careful with that. I'd never go mad at him. Yeah. Say, remember when that happened? Do you remember that thing where you you, sort of, you dropped off and he's done this and he's done that? Only be through my experience of being a player because mm. he plays in my position. I'll say, I've been there. I know what it's like. Yeah, when yeah. that happens, you just got to be careful of that. That, But it wouldn't be a case. Now, there have been probably four or five occasions where I would, once would say lose my rag with him, but... I would have a go at him, and that was only be an attitude thing. Mm. That was only be a case of you didn't look ready. You didn't look like you wanted to play today. You didn't look like. But if someone makes a bad pass or someone makes a mistake, or that's, that's football. But I, I don't. I don't think pushy parents is a bad thing. I think we've put up. I almost feel like I've got me and my wife feel like we've got our life back in some ways, and if mm. like, because we were the kids are just leaving school now, and it's almost so. James goes to Wigan every day in the morning. He gets taken there brought back and we watch his game of a weekend whereas we were going to his training four times a week got to get in there after school yeah. getting back in the house Mia was going to dance the town so Mia's probably got six months left before she's going to perform an art school down south so we won't have I'll that to thing do of, yourself I know yeah. but that thing <laughs> of like watching Pointless or something like that in the house or whatever it is The cha- I prefer the chase actually but <laughs> yeah, we've started watching that the last six months because before that we'd be getting the kids at four o'clock running around like lunatics, she'd be dropping me, I'd be going with James, we'd be getting back in at seven, eight o'clock. We'd, basically, we wouldn't be sitting down in the house till mm-hmm. the earliest eight o'clock, sometimes the latest half nine, mm-hmm. ten o'clock as me as sometimes dance went on till <coughs> half nine. Mm-hmm.
0: You, you mentioned the attitude thing before. Obviously, I imagine that your kids have a different sort of grow. you know, their their sort of lifestyles a little bit different maybe from when you were growing up. Do you, do you try and like instill a little bit like do you try and ever sort of discipline them sort of maybe like how you used to be? Do you know what I mean? Because sometimes I feel that, you know, if, 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 you know, I luckily went to a really nice school and so... Tom went Tom went to a private school, let's yeah. get that <laughs> out there. <laughs> no, but it's, you, you know, you, you, there's an element, isn't there, where you don't want them to become, you know, something that... Well, you, me, you, my
2: kids have gone to private
0: school and
2: I was always like, don't put your kids in private school. And not because of, you know, talking about education or, you know, political parties and stuff like that or the money. It was more a case of actually, who are they mixing with? What type of person are they going to yeah. be? Mm-hmm. And I've only learnt now, I'm I've friends have asked me, of, you, know, you know, what can the best they can do for the kids. It's not about who they're with, it's how you bring them up, it's how you mix with them. Now, when I was a, uh, when James was a bit younger, I was worried about, oh, he's going to be, he's not going to be one of the lads. Really, so I'd be taking him down the brunny <laughs> playing five a <laughs> side with the kids. But and he he did make he made mates there. He had mates at school, but James is a lad's lad, yeah. really. I don't, and <clears throat> his mates are not really from his school. He had mates in school, but his mates are from outside school to go to the other schools. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh Probably like we went. Ah, James goes the match, the away games with Liverpool. Can you imagine the people he's mixing with? And <laughs> and I think it's nice to get that nice balance, really, of uh, you know that sort of gritty type of people who go on the match you know who I grew up with but also there's nothing wrong with people say oh privacy or this this kid or someone yeah, wants to yeah. be a doctor or well what's wrong with that I yeah, mean yeah. what is you know mm. these type of people uh, and I think it's nice and I'm lucky now where I'm in an environment where I can come to the gym and it's Rough in here, the air, the one liners, the banter, everyone taking the piss out of each other, and it's brilliant. It keeps you grounded and that. But it's also nice for me to then to go to up to Sky and see someone who's producing a show who's probably a different type of person, yeah, yeah. and you get that different type of you know people in your life. And I think it is, it mm. is nice to have a balance. And I think that's what what our kids have got. So mm. I'm not worried about that one.
1: No, yeah. and I'm still getting fucking rinsed from when Uncle Albert shot last week in the gym and <laughs> the banter in this place. <laughs> um, one thing for me when I was playing, you talk about levels and you've never, you said you probably had the best football mind. I found, hence why I ended up joining the Marines, but like the different levels. I, I was not an alright footballer. I was always playing Sunday League. We, our team was winning the league every season. I was getting Player of the Year and they had trials at the academy. And again, I, I never ever thought I was going to make it or I was great, but I always knew I was a, was a good footballer. And fuck me, I got to the academy. <laughs> and it, it was just like levels you know when you just play against people from all over the. I think I think it was I don't know where it was who we played against but I just remember thinking I am nowhere near good enough to be a <clears> professional <throat> footballer was there ever a point in your life whether it was moving up to the first team or England or even a Champions League game or something and you ever doubted yourself or on the other hand said ah, you know what I'm I'm here because I, no, I, I was. I, I was
2: always very confident and not in a big headed way that sort of thing of like no one's going to stop me you know, that mm. mentality of that. But there's no doubt you, you play you have little games where you you think you're at a level and you go, Ooh. You know, ooh mm. You know, say the first time you train with the first team. And you're like, Oh, am I ever gonna get to this level? The speed of it. Uh really. But I never found that in my own level. It was always much when I was going up a level or maybe the I wouldn't say when I first went in the face I mean my debut went quite well. Uh for, for, for the Liverpool. Cup, but right? there was Yeah, but there was there are games because mm. at the end, if you play for Liverpool you gotta try and win the league or try and win the European Cup and you think I'm not that level. I'm not like winning a Champions League or mm. stuff like that. And, and you, you're not when you first get in the team and there's games and you, you come up against someone you think, Phew. I remember the first time I played against Man United and it was one of those where it just sort of just... I think, and, and you know what? I think you need it sometimes. just put you back in your place. Mm. You know, oh, we've got to go again. Even if you spoke to Stevie Gerrard, he'll say the same when we won the cup final in 2001 against Arsenal. He thinks he's this man who's going to take... Roy Keane's mantle as the, the top mid, midfielder in, in the country and he come up against Patrick Thierry who just ran past him all day as, as he ran past all of us by the way but it was a case Steve was still only 20-21 but it was a case of even for him ooh still mm. got a way to go so I don't think there was ever a case of like um, oh I can't play at this level but I think there's certain games and games you're playing or you come up against as you're going through the ranks where you think ooh just put you back. Oh, still got a bit to go, and I think it's I think it's good for you. I mean, and we've all had that as players. No one's a, a superstar who plays well every week. But I don't think I ever I ever got somewhere. I thought I'm completely at my depth, and it, it knocked me confidence-wise, mm-hmm. and I didn't believe I could ever ever get there. I mean, me and me and David Thompson at 18, we went a eleven Evans store and say, why aren't we playing in the first team? And that was not through a bad attitude. It was more like I think, well, like, we think we're better than them. Really? Yeah. Yeah. And am not in a big-headed way. It was more like we want to play. What are mm-hmm. we waiting for? You know, we've done our time. Um, and was that? How was that? How was
1: that taken? Like they when, loved it. Yeah,
2: lo- it was. It was actually encouraged. I don't know what it'd be like now with fo- foreign managers. You know, it wasn't as a bigger a thing then. But it's actually being encouraged. Yeah. So Ronnie Morano, Sammy Lator, if you're not happy, go and see the manager. You know, something like yeah, that. And yeah. and it also gives you that bit of character, I think, as well. To go, you know, you're only eighteen. You're speaking to a fella who's fifty, mm. fifty odd. Roy Evans, he's the manager of the club. And I, and I think you've got to do that because I think sometimes you've got to put pressure. On a, on a manager to, to pick you, mm. and I think you know, managers are only human. You know, if if they're not sure about one, they think, Well, who's going to give me the biggest <clears> problem if I don't pick him? Mm. Um, oh, just pick him, I could do without the hassle. So, I think, Well, I'd always want the manager to think, Oh, if I leave Carrot out, that'll be a hassle for me. So, I always <laughs> wanted managers to think that I'd say the same to my James, who was in the team, do not make it easy for a manager to leave you out.
1: Yeah, one thing as well, I always think it's funny when like you were my. Like you are, thankfully we're mates now, but I mean, growing up from bootle, defender, like my hero, absolute hero. So when you turn up at my house, I'm like, fucking hell, this is mad, Jamie Carragher's here. You've seen a thing, I've seen Roy Keane have a go at it when I think Pogba was swapping shirts with his brother or something, or they were talking and he's like, or oh, they swapping shirts at half time or something. And have you ever been, when you were growing up, kind of thinking, not starstruck, but like, you know, you meet an idol, a football an idol, and you're always... You're not kind of unprofessional, but you're you're almost thinking, oh, I can't wait to play against him. I've, I've looked up looked up to him all my life, and I'm getting to play against them now. Have you ever found yourself being a kind of fan, a fanboy of someone like that when you're coming up against?
2: <laughs> not really. Uh, I mean, listen, my heroes were Everton players, and if I ever bumped into them, probably not when I was playing as such, but I, they would sort of. Like, I don't think. I think when you're a kid, you net you never get you never lose that thing of like. That generation's my hero. That's when you had that innocence of like, oh, these are gods. Mm. I think when you actually get into the game, you realise, you know, a football team, a professional level is the same as a Sunday League team. There's some great lads, there's some quiet ones, there's some arseholes. There's, you know, it's just a mix of, of of everything really. So I wouldn't say there was someone I thought, wow, I'm going to play against him or come up against him. Talking about ch- changing shirts, I never changed shirt with anyone because I never wanted them to think I was in order of them. Mm. Now there was obviously hundreds of players who were better than me, really. But then halfway through my career, when we would sort of won the Champions League, people started asking for my shirt. No one had ever asked for my shirt when we were early twenties and stuff. But when it when the you know well, I was always playing when the squad numbers were there. But you just get like a Premier League player saying, "Oh, and have your shirt at, at the end of the game," or whatever. Fine, not, not a problem. But then I actually started thinking I should actually start swapping shirts, uh, really. So to certainly in Europe I would say I wouldn't swap in the Premier League but in Europe just so at the end of your career you've got all mad yeah. crazy shirts not that I want Zidane shirt or Messi shirt or Xavi or Iniesta I like I don't like that when someone's like mark and someone to get a shirt mm. more just like anyone's shirt but like a, sometimes I used to love the Europa League mm. shirt that you come up again just mad crazy everyone knows what a Barcelona shirt or a Real Madrid yeah. shirt is but you know things like that but that was more a case of for me son really and mm to have crazy shirts, but I've actually got them in a box and they're just there. <laughs> I was actually thinking of actually uh, auctioning them off. It's something I'm going to do. I've got to get myself sorted in the house, get everything back to normal. That's what I'm going to do. Maybe put one out a week on uh, social media, but, you know, just crazy shirts. Anyone wants to, because to be fair, they're just sitting there. But I've never, uh, no, I was never
1: starstruck by uh, anyone I played against. Do you remember who was the first person to ask for your shirt?
2: no. No, it's all really. three. I think. Listen, I think it probably <laughs> happened on the back of winning the Champions League, which elevated me massively. Uh, really, uh, before that there was nothing of of that. I mean, it'd be when it's, a lot of times like the smaller clubs coming up and, and mm. different things and and uh, stuff like that. But I'd always give someone my share, so it's always caused trouble when you got back in the uh, changing room with the kit man and stuff like that. But it's it's hard to say no to someone, isn't it? What
0: What was that uh, you mentioned Champions League? What was the What was that like then, the Champions League final for you then? What was it like a few hours before? Was it the most nervous you'd ever been? What was it like? No,
2: I was actually, would you believe, more nervous for the second one. Right. Because I think the first one, it was almost like, I can't believe we're here. Yeah. You know, no one expects us to win, just go and enjoy it. The second one was a bit like, to win two European Cups. A lot of people have won the Champions League, but not many have won it twice. Mm. And that was a bit like, oof. I felt probably a little bit more nervous for that one, really so no no, I wouldn't say nervous excited obviously a little bit of apprehension and Mm. you know whatever but no I I wouldn't say a few hours before I was really like a mess (laughs) no no I think it was just something to try and embrace and enjoy actually I couldn't believe I was playing a Champions League final Mm. as I said before I'm obsessed by the game I'd watch every final as most people do but I knew all the teams and you go back to when I was really watching Champions League finals in the nineties, and those AC Milan teams of Capello and Baresi and Maldini. Thinking, I'm, pl- I'm playing against Maldini, uh, the Aventus teams of uh, Lippi, Louis Van Gaal's Ajax teams. You know, I looked at them and you know when I was watching, I was thinking, I, I know I'm a good player. I'm playing for Liverpool, but I'm not that level. I'm not. I'm not <laughs> mm. that. You know, and I, I was I was well aware of that, but you know, I found myself eventually through hard work, listening, getting better, improving, maturing, and got myself to that mm. level really for a, you know probably three or four years where we got to two finals, a few semi-finals, and and yet I wouldn't it wasn't a case of when I got there I didn't think I belonged I wouldn't say that, but uh,
0: but no it certainly wasn't nerves and and certainly the first one was just. Wow, can't believe it. Mm. What, what do the what do the managers do? Do they try and hold you back from? Because obviously now you've got social media and you can hear about you know what people's opinions are before the game and things like that. Would they try and like mute all that out as best, or would you ever try and find it, or is that a dangerous thing to do?
2: Well, it was only papers then, yeah, wasn't yeah. it? Really, I think it is completely different now. I think for the Champions League final, we'd always go. Normally, you just go the day before the game. There, we'd go two days before. I think mm. and, and I don't think that was anything to do with the press. I think that was more to do with just Being in the streets of Liverpool and your family around you, and then you know, you're just being you know, it's just let's mm. get away just in a hotel yeah, 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 yeah. and relax. Yeah. Uh, whatever to be honest, I don't think it made too much difference when we went away that early because sometimes you'd be bored in the hotel, you be sometimes it's too long, you sort of want the game to come. Mm. So, if I was ever a well, I'm not going to manage a team in a Champions League fan, I'm not going to be a manager, but I just just carry on normal like what we've done in the semi what we've done in the quarters I think sometimes that is a problem where you sort of just sat down in a hotel room and it's, it can become a bit yeah, but yeah, I think yeah. Tottenham I think Tottenham did that for the uh, the one uh, against Liverpool last year that's I think yeah, they yeah. went there like two or three days before which I thought that's a problem that's not good I'm not saying that made a massive difference yeah, I yeah. actually think Tottenham played quite well in the game in some in some parts but I wouldn't have certainly wanted that
1: just plays on your mind that waiting game yeah, yeah. just waiting
2: wait round waiting round and that now
1: with that though, with the pressure, what was I bet it was more more stressful trying to get everyone tickets for Istanbul and things like that. As as a local, you get, get twenty
2: five <laughs> tickets for a final, so you, you get covered uh, normally a game at Anfield. You probably you could always you got four comps and you could buy six. I think I used to always get the four comps and buy four, so there would be eight people who go to the game. Now, of course, a final, there's people. Yes, there's people coming out the board to work, but there's people who want to go like me. Mum, my mum never watched me at Anfield play for Liverpool. Really? She she watched. I think she, did she I think she might have went to one of the semi-finals against Chelsea and she watched the Youth Cup final but that's the only time we went to Anfield maybe my the last game ever for Liverpool so I think she probably went to Anfield three times but people like that are going to go to a final so people who don't normally go to the game you think well okay I've got to give them a ticket yeah, yeah, yeah. my wife my wife probably went to Anfield ten times really? yeah uh, Nicola probably went ten times yeah and a lot of that was maybe it might have been a little bit more I think my last season, I think she started going the last few games, taking the kids to try yeah. and make them remember it because the kids were still young, but definitely not more t- more than 20 <coughs> times uh, to Anfield. Uh, no, but, and, and to be honest, going from eight tickets to 25, it normally, it covers everyone.
1: What is that like though? <clears> throat> the <throat> likes of Trent now, you know, being that local lad <clears throat> where, how do you find it where, and obviously you were a blue, weren't you, just growing up, but then now playing for Liverpool, what was it like, that pressure? Did you kind of, you're going into Melwood every day? Was Did you feel, you know, it's, it's all right for you if you're fucking, if you, don't, if you don't have, if you have a bad game, you know, you're not from here type thing? Did you, did you feel that kind of? And,
2: well, again, I, I didn't know any difference. I did speak to Michael Owen. I remember Michael Owen saying to me, I just, I just don't know how you live in the city or, you know, oh, I've got to get, away. I'd have to get away really in some ways with, you know, back over to Chester or different things. A lot of the players don't move, move away outside. I think Trent might have just moved just outside the city as well. I don't know if that's a, something in that really but I was right in the heart of it and to be honest I didn't know any different. I think the, the were times of my career where the fans were on me back a little bit really when uh, maybe they thought I wasn't good enough for Liverpool or I wasn't playing I think I was a very consistent player I think it was if I ever got stick it was a case of is he actually good enough certainly when I was playing fullback <clears throat> And someone you mentioned, Trent, he won't have had that yet because the team has been so successful. Now, I don't think anyone's ever going to say he's not good enough now. But there will become a time for Trent when it doesn't go as well for the team, for him, and he'll start getting questioned for different reasons. It may be, oh, he wants to leave, he wants to play for Barcelona, or he's more interested in England, or different things. It may be a different type of criticism to, to what I had at, at times when I first started for Liverpool. But it will come, and it's you know it's not and you've got to be strong mentally to play for Liverpool. And I always think that the biggest thing is not the ability, it's just strength mentally, hmm. because so many players come into Liverpool who start as well, and all the fans are be going, "Oh, this player's great," this, and as soon as they would have a bad time, and he get a bit, they would fall away, completely fall away. I think Jersey Dudek was a little bit like that. I think there was a centre back who gets laughed at called Bjorn Kavami. Remember him? Yeah. When he first came in, me and him made our debut on the first the same game against Aston Villa. He was he actually got man of the match even though I'd scored and I was this kid he was in the team then for the next six months and was the best player and Liverpool nearly won the league that season he then had a bad spell and completely fell apart you know and he just never ever recovered and and people talk about him and I'm just thinking it was a mental thing with that lad Mm. it was a mental thing and there's there's other players I could mention but I've seen it before and that's that's if you want to you want to play for Liverpool and you, you stay as long as I did it's not the ability it's the mentality to you know, to fight off opposition in your own club, for your own place, different managers coming in, proving to them again, you know, to stick the crowd. Now, I'm loved now, Jamie Carragher, Istanbul, or the send-off I got at the end, but I'm not daft. I remember what it was like at certain mm-hmm. times, and I'm not saying the supporters were wrong. That, that's football, you know, some people get stick and, and different things, and if you're not playing well, it's playing for a big club, you're on the back pages every week, and that it was tough at, at certain times, but... That, that's why I think I, why I stayed there because I was that strong
1: mentally mm. one thing I spoke to uh, <clears throat> spoke to Brian Reed at the match and I was like oh I need some questions for Carradine to put to him and one thing he said and he said and he said, press on it." i just, I've never really thought of it because I've heard you saying in interviews that no one ever kind of came in for you to go but you're talking about getting sick stick when Gerard was getting a stick while well, going to Chelsea and all that and it's a oh, traitor and all this shirt getting burnt and stuff if someone had come in for you around that time offering silly money, <clears throat> would you have ever been tempted?
2: No. No, I wouldn't. Bar- and Barcelona,
1: like no, no, outside there. We'll, well
2: listen, I I wasn't I wasn't good enough to play for Barcelona or Real Madrid. You're one of the best defenders around two thousand six. No, I know, but what I'm saying listen, I could have played for AC Milan or Inter Milan or Juventus. I couldn't have played for Barcelona or Real Madrid the way they play. Mm. I don't think I wouldn't they wouldn't have I wouldn't have been Daniel Agger could have played for Barcelona or Real Madrid. Mm. that's what I'm trying to say I was I was like listen I know how, how good I was at a certain level I'm not going to get carried away but I know at my peak I was in a group of defenders that included a lot of English defenders which was probably Rio, John Terry you think of Piola, Nestor at AC Milan there was basically for three or four years it was either us, Man United, Chelsea AC Milan or Barcelona we were going to win the Champions League. They just had gone off the scene for a few years. And I was probably Liverpool's main defender and the main defender in those other teams. So I was sort of competing each year for the Champions League best defender, if you like. Mm-hmm. I, I never ever won that, but I was always in the, the top six or whatever. So that, but no one ever came in for me. Uh, my agent never said, but would I have gone? No, I was obsessed
1: with... Well, you know, you, I know you love your Italian defenders and all that, I think of the game. What if AC Milan come in and said, yeah. look...
2: Listen, Nicola, we, we Nicola were one Starrs of the best looking at places in Italy yeah. and all that yeah listen can you imagine me living in Italy <laughs> let's be honest <laughs> about it <laughs> me kids listen I I was obsessed with being a one club man very early really not be and, and being a one club for, uh, one club man for me at 21 was like the best thing that could ever happen to me because that means I've had a great career because I've stayed at Liverpool I, when I'm getting in the team at 2021 20, I'm not Michael Owen I'm not Robbie Fowler I'm not Steven Gerrard you know, they probably know if I want, I can stay at Liverpool for the rest of my career mm. if I want to. Whereas I didn't have that. Whereas I've got to fight to stay at it. And I used to look at Barese and Maldi, and I love that thing of players who just think of the club and you just think of them in that shirt, that uh, red and black shirt, mm. those two players. And that's why it always hurt me when Robbie left. And that you sometimes look at someone in a shirt and think it doesn't look right. Mm. And I, I, I wanted to be known as a one club man. <coughs> and. I can guarantee, and I'm not just saying it to play up to the fans or whatever, uh, I would never have left Liverpool. I would have left Liverpool for virtually anyone if I wasn't in the team. Mm. I would not have been a sub. I would not have been a sub for Liverpool. I love football too much. I love that playing. And that's the thing I'm proud of. I play, I just, I, I didn't just stay for Liverpool my whole career. I played every week, every season. Mm. As soon as, i I very rarely injured. As soon as I got back fit, I went straight back in the team. So yes, I would have moved if a manager didn't pick me and that's probably one of the reasons why I probably retired when I did Uh
1: but no I'd have never have left Liverpool no I mean no I, I just I wouldn't have done it no speaking as well about injury when, when we've, we've done that film of that Paragon <coughs> that's one of the funniest stories I've heard of you when um, when you broke your leg and you didn't know you'd broke your leg oh yeah <laughs> like that's, I just think that's bizarre when talking about your injuries because you were never injured really were you you were no. in the team every week I just find that bizarre, You can break your leg and then wake up the next day and go, still a bit this you know, and then get told the next day. Mm. Is that again, I, I know you've got to be lucky with injuries, but I always remember in that interview we done then, you were always saying about, and again, it comes back to mindset, which you said, if this injury takes three months, I want to try and do it in two and a half months, I want to try and do it in. Is that again, you think the mindset with your injuries?
2: Yeah, I mean, I I, I hated being, and listen, every player hates being injured. I never pulled a muscle in my life. My initial reaction when someone in a Liverpool dressing room goes into the, the physio and says I'm injured is the lion. I can't mm-hmm. get that one behind. I can't. I can't stand people who are injured. I can't stand people who are sick. I don't get sick. <laughs> touch you don't, touch, don't get touch, ill now? The odd thing, but would it stop me doing anything? You know when people say I'm not playing? You know when I, I see a game of football and say, oh, uh, you read the team out, he's not playing. It happened to some Liverpool players, and uh, Klopp will do the interview. Why is Lovren not playing? I oh, he's Ill. Ill. How do you miss a game Because you're ill <laughs> Yeah but What if he's got a cold You miss a game you, you don't miss a game For Liverpool If you've got a cold Yeah it's right She said flu Whatever it is You don't <laughs> uh, I played at Birmingham once When I had The worst I'd ever had And I probably shouldn't have played But I played And we got beat actually uh, We got beat 2-0 And I didn't train the day before because. So that was the worst That must have been the worst thing I've ever had But I still played I, You don't miss a game Because you're ill uh, so that that's my I've always had that thing
1: but that's probably strong. why you have done the you yeah. know, 737 games or because of that
2: well I had I had injuries I had an injury the first big injury I had I felt my knee in pre-season not, nothing happened I was just jogging on a golf course 7 in the morning we used to do 7 in the morning with Julien we'd do a run then we'd do a gym session about half ten then we'd play football in the afternoon so three sessions in a day so the first one not a pain just like a, a feeling in my knee what it was just carried on I went to see the doctor. He just said, he actually, I remember what he said. He said, it's called housemaid's knee. Basically, women get this through cleaning, being on all fours, cleaning, just on. I said, okay, he said not, not major. Just carried on, carried on. It ends up being tendonitis, and I had to get my patella tendon cleaned out, but it got to a few months in the season, and the Champions League kicked in. So I'm starting to feel this now. It's getting a little bit more sore. And I uh, I thought, well I'm, I'm not missing games because we're in the Champions League. And then at the end of the Champions League, it was it was the first time ever. There'd been there was two group stages, and the second group stage was after Christmas, and it was Barcelona, Galatasaray and Roma. And when the draw came out for of that, I thought, I'm not missing them games. So I was I was actually on two anti-inflamms a day. <laughs> so I'd take one before I went to bed so that in the morning, my knee would be all right. And then I'd take one before training to get through training. I'd done that to the end of the season. And I had a spell in January, the end of January. I remember, just the fans getting on me back a little bit. I wasn't playing well. And it was like, I can't say I've got a knee problem. How bad's that look? You come out and say, I'm not 100% fit. And plus, mm-hmm. I still want to play. I still want to play mm-hmm. in these champions. And I, and I got through it. And I missed the World Cup in the summer. Uh, because I had to have an operation. And the day the operation was the day Zidane scored that volley at Hamden in mm. the Hampden Park for oh, Real Madrid. So that was so I went to Colorado. The Stedman was his name. So cleared my knee out. And my thing was like, I've got to be back for the start of the season. Forget the World Cup, forget England. I've got to be back for the start of the season. And I played a preseason game, but I wasn't quite... I was on the bench for the second game of the season, really. So I, I'd, I'd done okay. My other big one was breaking my leg, the one you mentioned. And that was just a case where we had freaky we had two broken legs in the same game so <laughs> Milan Baros broke his leg our doctor took him to hospital I then broke my leg so I don't know who broke my leg Lucas Neal's done a bad tackle but I know it's 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 so I can feel it when i was lying down my first reaction is he being sent off because I just knew it was a terrible tackle and then everyone's around me and I'm trying to get up on my fingers. I'm thinking I'm not going off I'm not going off <laughs> Up. but I don't listen I'm not trying to be brave I don't know what broke me leg I'm just getting off, so I put weight through it and I thought no I can't put weight through this so I've stood up so they're about to what, what, what are you going to do so Sammy Lee's come on Sammy me, so I don't go off on a set yet I'm not, Sammy I Lee it. yeah Sammy Lee so I've got all the. I've got the Sammy Lee So they carry a mid-size of him <laughs> so we actually we hobble off together so I hobbled off we're in the treatment room, there, doctors. There, next thing, my dad comes flying in because he know I wouldn't come off unless it was serious, and he knows that. So, he's in the game, he's come flying, he's gone. His dad'll get everywhere, <laughs> gets where water can't, and uh, he ends up in the treatment room. I can just see he's ready to kill someone. Uh, Lucas Neal's been sent off, he comes in and apologies. says I didn't, I haven't seen a tackle, I don't know what the tackle's like. I haven't, you know, Lucas Neal comes in and said, Oh, don't listen, whatever, one of them things. The doctor's there, their doctor, I haven't got a clue, I can picture him now where he looks like big heavy fella, he looked at it and went, oh, you know, doesn't look too bad, doesn't look this or whatever, and he's like, then he's, start, he's making jokes or trying to be funny in the treatment room, my dad's like, and I'm thinking this doesn't feel right, <laughs> so ends up strapping my leg up, if you like, I'm on the bus on the way home and everyone's saying, oh, you were lucky there, it was a bad tackle, you are lucky you got away with that, so I think I'm lucky, Ah, doctor's still not there. So I go to bed that night and I'm just lying. on. I I, I sleep on my front. <laughs> so I can't sleep on my front for obviously, but I'm on my back and it's just like, it's just like a heartbeat in my leg. Mm-hmm. Just boom, 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 like that all night. Just this is throbbing. I just goes in the next day and the doctor just looked at me and went, you need to go straight to exactly Vizakli, you've broke your leg. Uh, <laughs> and then Jesus. I got the cast on. But then my mentality was, right, I broke my leg, gutted. I've got to be back before Barros. That was my thing. I've got to be back before Baros. So everyone was saying I'd be out for six months. Uh, I was back in four months because he was just my competition every day. Is mm. he running yet? What's he doing? What's he doing? He wasn't as strong as me mentally. <coughs> uh, Baros. I was always going to come back before. I remember my first game was against Everton at Hague Avenue for the reserves. That was my first game back. And uh, people always say, "Don't you all the first tackle the first thing?" Mm. So I just had in my head, "I just need to tackle someone." As soon as this game starts, and I just remember just taking this kid out. <laughs> I was playing left back. It was freezing, egg Avenue it was so windy, it was horrible, and it was. Just, they felt I just I just ran. I just thought I'll just just get this over with, and just took the kid out. Uh, really, so I never had to worry of like what's my leg like afterwards yeah. or no. And to be honest, I think I played, I think I played one more reserve again, I was straight back in the team.
1: It's interesting you say about having that rivalry. I remember going through Headley Court and when I had my leg amputated, that had that great that great camaraderie with all the other injured lads. And you're like, well, I know, he's, he's lost his leg. He got his leg amputated the week before me. I need to be walking with him. And it does help, doesn't it, having that surroundings mm. and all that? Yeah, it does, um,
0: yeah. I'd, I'd hate to be your, so if you got a cold, get on with it. Broken leg, <laughs> like, get on with it. Mate, <laughs> <laughs> right,
1: on, yeah. on the thing as well, mate, how much you're adored, obviously because of, I think it's, a few things, obviously, what you've done in the city, how, again, one club man and all that, everything you've won with Liverpool. But I also think as well, you said before about you wasn't bothered about missing the World Cup in that sense, it was all about getting back for Liverpool. Do you think with the way Liverpool is as a city, politically, everything like that, or Liverpool almost feels it's it's on its own, if you like, in the UK in some some parts. The fact that you kind of, I think you're one of them, maybe the first, in my mind, to come out and say, well, I don't think anyone ever really has, have they really said, listen, I'm not that bothered about England It's all about Liverpool for me. Do you think that obviously made the fans be a bit more, just because of the way Liverpool is? We, we all know maybe, what it's Maybe, like. but
2: maybe it turns the rest of the country against you in some way. I was only speaking what I felt. And I think sometimes it gets a little bit uh, misconstrued, really, how it, how it was meant to come across, was that it wasn't that I wasn't bothered about England. I wanted to play for England because I just thought that's another level. I need. And mm. I never played. Now, maybe my mentality of what I had like that was not this, England was the be-all end. It meant I didn't have a great England career. I didn't do enough for England. Now I was up against strong competition, certainly in the position. I think if I was probably playing now, I'd probably get 70, 80 caps. Mm. I don't think it's a strong at centre-back now. But when I was playing, it was world-class mm. defenders there and John Terry, Rio Ferdinand, Sol Campbell, what he was doing at Arsenal, Ledley King, Jonathan Woogie. There were so many great players. Uh, so maybe I sometimes think, you know, because you think about it, I played for 17 years for Liverpool, no one took my place. No one was like, over my dead body, anyone take my place. I wasn't like that with England. Mm. If I didn't play, it was a bit like, all right, I've got Liverpool, I'm going back to Liverpool, we're playing thingy on, at the weekend. So sometimes I think, did that mentality stop me having a better England career? Now, what, what I meant by the England stuff was, if I played for England and didn't play well, it, it, it'd, I'd be wound up, same as it would be for Liverpool. But Liverpool just got you in the stomach. It was just like, Oh, felt like bad, you know, really mm. bad. And I can only say I felt like that with Everton as a kid. If Everton lost, it really hit me, you know, like it really, oh, it took you a few days to get over. And England never did that to me. Mm. And I can only go back to, as I said, being a kid, if you'd have said to me in 1986, I'm watching my first World Cup, the Maradona handball. Would I have rather Everton won the league or the or the double Liverpool won the double that season but Everton were fighting for it but I was an Everton fan as a kid would would I have rather seen Everton win the double or the league than England win the World Cup yeah mm. would I swap winning the World Cup with England in 2006 or winning the Champions League of Liverpool 2005? not a chance mm. because even if England was successful I mean, listen when England go to a World Cup it's just like it's mad it's manic. Mm. it just it, it takes over the nation and people become like national treasures and heroes and that doesn't just that probably happens in Liverpool because we won 2005 but you see the effect and you think it, it could elevate you to like a massive level mm. you know celebrity wise or what you've done and what, how you've seen around the world really but I still know I'd come home and people are still want to talk about Liverpool <laughs> yeah. you know and, and 1966 I always say this 1966 is the biggest thing for England the World Cup but when I was growing up as a kid I couldn't have told you anything about that game mm. but I could have told you about Everton beating Sheffield Wednesday, three 2 in the FA Cup final Mike co scored in two goals because I was obviously an Everton family so you brought up 60, oh that happened in that Cup final and that that Mm -hmm. happened and Liverpool won the league that season as well and and different things so I think people in Liverpool they aren't really that bothered Mm -hmm. about England certainly football or anything listen it's only going to be football it's all about Everton and Liverpool and that's the way I was brought up so England never bothered me when they got beaten in the World Cup by Maradona I wasn't mm. sitting there gutted I was going out thinking oh, what did Maradona they punch the ball in but if that had to be in Everton or Liverpool when I was a player it would have killed
1: me yeah with that as well um, when was the point where you kind of well one were we you as bitter as we know a lot of Evertonians are when you were a kid bitter sports Liverpool and when did that kind of then you think nah you know what I need to really now embrace being a red. Well,
2: I, I was lucky in that you didn't need to be bitter when I first started watching Everton because they were successful mm. and they were winning games. And maybe I was younger, and maybe maybe it was quite nasty in derby games then because it was the cup finals and you know going for leagues and stuff. But I think you could almost accept it a little bit more because you knew you had a great team. If Everton missed out one year or Liverpool missed out the next, because you knew you'd be there the next year mm. or you'd be there challenging. It really it definitely probably changed after probably 89 where Everton got to the cup final but it was the end of that team mm. it was a different manager in Colin Arby. it was the end of that team really and then it just became really mediocre the early 90s really when Everton started almost I mean you know, getting in top 10 finishes and then it got even worse mm. probably the mid 90s of, of fighting relegation but
1: was, was I desperate
2: point? for Liverpool to lose games Yeah what was
1: your dad like was your
2: dad bitter was he desperate to Liverpool to lose games if it helped Everton but no not what I not what i class hitting Evertonians now me dad listen I have no problem with Everton fans wanting Liverpool to lose I just I don't think it I'm going to say right I'm not really bothered but when you you're trying to find anything to have a goal to if they've got a great side Liverpool as they have now say it like my dad always say to me Graeme Souness is the best midfield player he's ever seen Mm. now he wouldn't say it was Peter Reid Mm. Or whoever played. No, no, he knows his football. Graham Suness was the best player I've ever seen play for Liverpool. That's that his, his opinion of it. And he could say they were a great side and stuff like that. But when Liverpool lost the league in 89 to Arsenal, I was delighted. Yeah, I was. And I'm probably more delighted then than I would have been in the mid 80s because I said, Everton was so bad. Mm. I think that's where it comes from. I think if Everton have got a really good side and are doing well, mm. it lessens that yeah. really as well. And I just think at this moment, it probably has been the toughest moment I think really because if you think of Liverpool when they were dominating in the 70s Everton didn't win much in the 70s it's a really poor decade for them but if you actually look at the league finishes in the 70s Everton Everton were regularly getting to semi-finals and cup finals or probably some seasons they should have won the league in the 70s Everton. so they were always there or thereabouts whereas for so long now they've come off it and the, the thing that's probably kept Evertonians going is Liverpool haven't been successful Liverpool haven't won the league mm. or certainly before Klopp coming Liverpool hadn't done anything for seven or eight years Really, and they could always hang on to the fact that Man United were winning, and you knew that would wind us up because they were our big rivals. Mm. But now that's sort of gone under that clop here, and, and Everton are obviously doing as well. Who knows with Ancelotti, but I think it is a really tough time now to be in to be probably as tough as it's ever been. I think mm. now to be an Everton
1: fan. Mm. Yeah. Um, anything else you want to ask? No, I think we're up to the hour now, so I no, know you can keep
2: going if you
0: want. Go on, no, 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 wait.
2: There's anything else you want to ask, don't Would
1: <laughs> do you think as well with your mindset now, um, I want to get questions off that Brian might have told me actually um, do you think with your mindset now but also being a realist and all that do you think you'd be getting in this team now alongside Van Dijk?
2: Yeah I think I'd get in the team yeah mm. I think if I think maybe at the end of or say, say at the end of Klopp's time and Gomez keeps playing the way he's playing right now and it's him and Van Dijk you might think well, maybe not mm. maybe not no or certainly, the way this team playing, the way the games evolved. you think of the pace of Gomez and how high this team pushes I can up? I can't believe he's only twenty-two. Yeah, I mean, uh, <clears throat> he had a brilliant. I think at this time, I think we a better player than Lovren or no Uh Gomez is still early. I think at the end of his Liverpool career, plenty of people could be saying Gomez was better than me, and I'd have no problem with that. I hope he is. Mm. You know, shows how well Liverpool are doing. But he looks, he, he looks like he could be a real star. I think, I think the big thing with centre backs for me is. I think there's two categories of centre-back. There's great player centre-backs and there's leaders. And Van Dijk's the leader. You, you don't have two leaders. Mm. You, you only have one leader at the back. And until someone becomes that, I think cause you, you take that extra responsibility. Now, what I loved about Gomez was his performance against Everton mm. in the FA Cup. He was the leader. There's mm. no Van Dijk there to help him or look after him. You were the leader of, and you were playing in a back four with kids and he was absolutely outstanding. Now, I'd like—I want him to then become. When Van Dijk eventually goes, or whenever that happens, you become Van Dijk. Mm. You become the man who organises that back four. You're telling everyone where to go. You're—you're you're seen as that man that's holding things together, really. Because there's no doubt if you—if you, as I said, go through a checklist again, Gomez pace this—he you, you ticked more boxes than me. He mm. would even now. He would, but I still think that thing of being that man at the back and that leader. Uh, and that comes from probably my understanding of the game and and concentration, not through great pace. I mean, I'm not even that tall to be a centre back.
1: You made a good argument with Gary Neville. I think it was you were saying about it make, in, in ways it makes you it makes it even more astonishing how you did back up so many games because again you're not huge, you're not got great pace in that sense. But yeah, you, you know, you're known as one of Europe's best defenders. It's it's a lot, isn't it? You think? Like yeah, I mean,
2: saying, and I tell that that was just in me head. I'm I'm not one of Europe's best. As I said, I put myself up against any of those defenders, reading the game, understanding the game, concentration, decision making, but in every other aspect, mm-hmm. I wasn't very good. Oh, I, I was I was average. I was six seven out of ten. I think me brain and me mentality. People always say, which annoys me a little bit. Oh, he's one of the, he's brave. Carry he throws his body in front of everything. and so okay, yeah. But you've got to be in the right position to mm. throw yourself in front of someone. You've got to be there in time to get that last block, and you've got to be there, or whatever it may be. Uh, so, no, no, listen, I think right now, but maybe in a couple oh. of years, this Gomez and par- <clears throat> uh, Van Dyke partnership, probably not.
1: On on that, I actually would really interesting. Again, I'm a huge fan of like football, but a, a, a lot of what you say, I think people love that because you do know the game so well. One thing I found really interesting and it's interesting now to think how you'd work in this team was when you just said as great as football is, it was a job for you. You went there, you wanted Liverpool to win, you have done everything you could but then you're not best mates with everyone. You work, you work with just like every job I guess yeah, you go to so work. Yeah. You know, And I guess as fans we like to think that you're just all <laughs> out together all the time. And that's the way you've kind of said it was just a job. Whereas now though this team under Klopp, they all seem, whether it's just a front or not I don't know, but they all seem like they're all Best mate you see and bloody Allison baptising for <laughs> me and you the other day, for example. You know, I, I can't imagine you doing that to Stevie. Do you know what I mean? Where do you think then that would have? Do you think you maybe would have changed then? Because again, you're just look. Oh, I'm here to give me all awful a pool. I hope we win. What you do in the evenings down to you and have the weekend them. You know. You no,
2: know, it's it's all about winning. So people talk about teams. What comes first? Does team spirit come? Does team spirit help you win, or does winning help team spirit? That the, the, they're flying now, they're celebrating goals together, they're jumping, they're all over the social media, sending each other messages, high five, because they're happy. Every time they come into Melwood, they're happy. Mm. When results are not going well, people come into Melwood not happy, and it loses something kind a of bit. And that's not just, that's every club. So if you tell me what was my best season or the best time, I think a 2001 and winning the three cups, and they celebrating together, and uh, you know every every weekend you're going out, or you're going for a meal, or you're going for a drink, because you're celebrating because you won. Mm. That's, and, and when you're not winning, and so when club first come in, you're having problems at the back, and things aren't going well, and he was on the pitch, I think there was one game, he was arguing with Ben Teche away at Southampton, and people are making state, it's like, it's not. Anyone who tells me the team spirit then, it's like, the team spirit is, is, and people talk about the old Liverpool teams and they were all going out, Terry Mach and Tunes and Daglish is there and the bands and they get together now and they all love it because they're winning every week, they're winning <laughs> everything. Yeah. So you're happy, everyone's celebrating, everyone's in a good mood. No one's saying it was your fault for that goal, he's letting us down. But yeah. why's the manager picking that team? Everyone's mm-hmm. happy and that's where it comes from. That's when, when we were doing well, we had brilliant we loved it. The things we had when it wasn't going well, everyone's down, everyone's pointing fingers at someone. Well, we need to sign someone else. So we need to do this, and that—that's very comfortable. Don't get me wrong. I think I think Jurgen Klopp as a manager has a big impact on that because I think he's such a positive person. And when things aren't going well, he always he chooses the right words as well to lift mm. uh, people. But a massive thing is—is—is is, is how how you know what the team's doing.
0: What was that like then? That, what on the Monday when you went back into training and, you, and you'd lost, was it like? Was there a dread on Sunday evening of? I can't be asked Yeah, I
2: mean, to be honest, that's what I don't miss. I'm, I, I used to hate that way. I mean, I watch everything, football, reads everything, and we'd we have those bad results where you don't want to read anything, you don't want to watch match of the day, and it'd be mm. like that's my routine, I want to know everything that's going on. But it's almost like I can't watch it, and you're trying to put it out your mind, and and uh, I I I love that that I'm not down in the gutter anymore. Mm. I think if I was a manager, because I, I think as a player I thought like a manager. I think I took defeat like a manager when people always say, players now going to managers say, oh, it's well worse how I feel when we get beat. I think I felt how they feel now as a manager when I was a player. Mm. And it took me a while to get over it. And I actually saw a sports psychologist about it. Did you, yeah? Yeah. Uh, because it was just taking over my life. And actually, you won't believe this, this is when I was playing at my best. Because I almost got to a level where I was playing that well and I was in my peak Where I thought, I can't have a bad game. I can't let the team down. If You're going to big European games away when you knew you'd be under pressure and I'd be thinking, I have to play well here. You're away mm. in the new camp. You're in the bin about, if I don't play well, we're going to get beat. Mm. Or I, I've got to really, you know, and I was putting that much pressure on me. I remember making a mistake away at Let's Go Madrid. I played really well and this ball got knocked and I lost it in the floodlights and I didn't know where it was and I just stopped and before I knew it, someone had just spanned around me, goal. We drew on one. And I just remember afterwards, you know, you're just like, and it was just like, I can't go on like this. I've actually played really well against the 4 and I played really well I've lost the button not I could do I lost it in the lights but I'm thinking I can't make a mistake mm. at this stage in my career now I'm I'm, I'm too good and I don't, and I say I don't mean that in a big-headed way I just felt I was at that level where I've got to make sure everyone else is you know and I just thought no this can't go on really and it, it helped me but it didn't help me in that it didn't change anything we basically got down to the fact of I'm the player I am because I've got a terrible fear of failure and it just drives me on I always think someone's going to take me place. I always think the manager's going to try and replace me. I always think, you know, even no matter how well I play, the next game's massively in, but I've got to mm. play well the next game, you know. So it didn't really stop, really, but it just
0: made me think, well, okay, that's the player I am. That's made me who I am. There wasn't any conclusion that he came to, <clears throat> that, you know, this is how you need to think differently or... No, it's just... you try
2: and you talk about things and sometimes it's nice to get things off your chest yeah sometimes of course, yeah, yeah. you talk to your dad or your family, not, they, don't, they don't know what it's like to play at a elite level. It's hard, mm. you know, and you speak to someone who spoke to other sports people who worked with England He worked with Manchester United uh, players there he had actually a good relationship with Roy Keane as well and sometimes a lot of it is just getting things off your chest that you you, you build up mm. really I
1: can't, uh, it just as a fan I, I couldn't imagine the pressure of like especially again coming back to being a local lad still living in the city and knowing you've got that pressure and it's it's relentless isn't it it doesn't stop yeah. you know, every day in the gym we're talking about footy people don't play now for two weeks but still <clears> every single day it must be when you're at that level it must be draining there's no switch off I guess is there from no there isn't And I, I, you find
2: it tougher I said didn't know any different but you, you do find it tough when you've had a bad result you're almost I always remember you're dropping the kids off at school but you're always like you're putting the visor down you know you just you just like <laughs> oh just drop them off let's just get you feel you feel safe in Melwood you know in some ways you're like okay but we were all in this thing we've all had this bad result and then you go out and you be like and you would always get people who say something see so never tone it there's something it's never too bad or something more Whatever, but now and again you'd have people come to you, you know, really not so much your this or that, but more like, what's going on? What's mm-hmm. going on? I mean, I always remember dropping James off at the Academy and I was a lad there and knew. And we the night before we'd lost to Chelsea in the Champions League. But it was only the first leg. We were nearly going I think it was two thousand and nine, I think we lost at home three one. Ivanovic got two goals from set pieces. But we still had the second leg. But we were we were top of the league, we were winning it. We'd only lost one game all season. And he just said, What's going on? <laughs> I what you mean? He said, That last night, what, what's going on? Needs to be fucking. need to sort it out. I'm like But that's it. We just you know we just had a game where Chelsea scored two off corners and we would and you're just like that's the way it is, that's yeah. the way it affects people and it, it wasn't and I say that's probably or oh, I do I do love when I say I love my life, I'll never have the highs that I had playing for Liverpool, but I'll never have the lows that you have where it's just
0: like you feel sick for days and it's just, mm. oh, God, honestly. Yeah, I remember P- Peter Crouch when his pucker he said there was, I think he was on the bus and he was looking into a pub drive on, on the way to a match and he said he was looking and there was a guy having drinks with his friend who was like, what I'd do to just be in his position now without, you know, that build-up mm. before and just wanting to be that other person, you
1: know, as crazy as that is, but, you, you know, you, you do forget. Yeah. Like with the um thing as well, with your knowledge of football, why Why would you not? I've heard you say, like, oh, for, for some of the things you said there, the pressures and stuff like that. But look at you and Gary Neville, two of the, you know, he's worked so well together. You're so good at talking about football, know it so well. Would you not ever think, no, I'll just give it a little go?
2: There's lots of reasons why not. Uh, I've never moved before. So you look at Stephen Gerrard now, he's a bigger legend than me at Liverpool. He doesn't go and get the Liverpool job straight away. It may come in the future, but he has to move to Glasgow Rangers. So he's away for a family probably five t- five nights a week. I don't want to be a manager enough to be away for my mm. kids and my wife five times a week. I just don't, mm. really. Where would I have to start? So let's say, for instance, at the best, I get a team at the bottom of the championship. Would I rather manage a team at the bottom of the championship or, or have the best job on TV? Mm. Really? <laughs> I mean, I think I've got the best job. I love my job. And I, and I don't think everyone's got different opinions on pundits, but... Monday Night Football is the best football show on TV by a mile mm. because of the concept, the way it works, it just everything. But not because of me, because of what it is. I think whoever does it, it's, it's a brilliant show. And I just think, am I going to move me kids or move away from my kids to manage at a level I've never played at? That feeling of great ups or great downs, yeah, 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 that yeah. roller coaster ride again, or have that job going to the best st- I was at Tottenham yesterday what a stadium commentating on Man-, uh, yeah, yeah. Man City Tottenham just there in the arena it's, just, it's amazing and the fact that I can go to big games watch give me opinion uh, getting, I, I do really think the, the media is a massive part of the game I don't think it's separate I think we're all part of the game really I think we are a huge influence on the game good or bad people may not like our opinions but I think people listen and I think it does affect certain things
1: and uh, that Monday Night Football has changed the way football fans I think some of the debates you'd have on it they're unreal aren't they I think I've texted you a few times we've had certain guests on and it's so amazing just to hear people who know the football game they, mm. they played it and now they're talking about it and they're just giving fans things that like, you don't even think about and I yeah. think that's why it's made it a success hasn't it just because it's
2: a brilliant show I think what makes it great is it's not every week so when it is on it's like oh Monday Night Football's yeah. on uh, less is more and I just think we want to I think I pun- I thought I could be a good Pundit, because when I used to watch Pundit, I think I could do better than that. When I was a player, if I'm being totally honest, I don't think the detail was there. Some people may now think we go into too much detail. You sometimes get that thrown at you at times. But saying on the Monday Night Football show, I want to take people into the, the, the manager's debrief of a game. So on a Monday morning, a manager may go through the game with his back four, his full team, go through the goals. I want to bring that to the viewer. I think that basically, I think me and Gary say we're almost like managers without a team mm. in some <laughs> ways. And that we're, we're going through what a manager would be telling his players. Do you reckon managers ever watch the show? Yeah, they do. I don't. This yes, I wouldn't say they watch the show to learn from us. Listen, yeah. they may pick things up. We have yeah, got yeah. great experience. We have Alex Ferguson, Rafa Benitez. We've been at the highest level, leagues, Champions League. So. You'd probably be daft not to not to just try to blow our own yeah, trumpet, yeah. but I think they probably watch it as well, maybe to see who we are analyzing. Could they actually are they playing the team the following week on something we're analyzing mm. or look at a goal that they they can see it or what they do? Yeah, I think I think it's it's a show that I think football people watch mm. really, and, I, and that's the thing where I absolutely love Monday night football—the actual detail that you can go into because uh, anyone can talk over a goal. Oh great goal Look at that finish He's just volleyed that past It's boring to me That mm. You know I, I love going into the de- I don't know Where else it can go Because everything moves on What's the next level of detail When we can go to Or are we actually At a point now Where it's actually If you go too far You're actually Take it It's, it's, it's maybe too complicated For fans But I think Supporters now I think they want that And I think there's so many supporters of clubs now, bloggers, people on social, I think social media have been massive where fans now can actually prove that they're not idiots who just turn up, pay the money and, yeah. and get disrespected by clubs. They've got an opinion, but listen, there's different opinions, but you can, you, fanzines were yeah. always good, yeah, uh, sure a barometer right, right. of that, but now podcasts, you think of, you know, the Anfield Rap, obviously I Everton and Liverpool ones, but I'm sure all, every team in the country has got them. So they are aware and, they, and when you listen to them, you think these know what they're talking about. Mm. This is not, you know, just outrageous comments. So, I think what we're giving people is what they want. But actually, for us as always, what can we do more? Where can we take it next? What can we, you know, you never want to be sort of seen as standing still. Basically, in anything you do.
1: Those, those debates as well. Like, it, what's it like when you, you know, loads of ex Liverpool, ex United lads. What's it like with like Roy Keane, for example, of the other week? Do you know what I mean? Is it kind of once it's stopped fin- filming, is it like? Whew, it, was, it was intense. That, that thing. <laughs>
2: yeah, it was really funny when we stopped the one with with Roy Keane. Uh, my, my first line was poor Frank Lampard <laughs> Frank Lampard got through into this debate from nowhere he's probably just at home eating his Sunday dinner watching a game thinking oh this is what's gone for us man you've got and then Keane's just two foot of them uh, <laughs> but Roy Keane was funny actually uh, in the break and at the end of the show he's, he's, he's a great fella and uh, he was just looking at me he said you've come in fresh he said it's like a sub coming on he said I've been sat here for seven hours <laughs> he must have thought I got the better of him on Sutton that's yeah. what he said he said I've been sat here he said like a, a sub coming on and changing the game he said oh <laughs> so I think he'd be ready for me we're doing a uh, Monday Night Football together for uh, Chelsea Man United which would be hilarious if Lampard could get go to win against Man <laughs> United which would be funny but no I think you've always always got to remember it's not personal let's not forget we're on TV yeah, yeah. You wanna make a good TV. The fact you've brought it up, the fact that it went everywhere on social media is means that's what what it is. So we're not the pro you know, the game the, the players on the pitch. That's mm-hmm. that's the football. We're giving our opinion, but it's also T V and, and what's good T V and debates and pushing people. And to be honest, sometimes I go in there just to just to needle someone. Mm-hmm. You know, I think the best thing I love doing is actually co commentating and then going in the studio after the game. Because they've been together all day, the others giving their opinions and you're commentating, you, you, you've, watched the game, you've watched the game from a different angle. Yeah, yeah. You know, diff- yeah. you've got different things, and it's just good to just... And it's also nice, when I'm sat there, when Gary comes in or someone else comes in, it's just, shh, there's mm-hmm. a different opinion, something's different in the yeah. studio. And it's, uh, that's what I like coming in, you just like... And sometimes you even think yourself, you think, it's a bit flat in here, doesn't it? Like, bump. Yeah. <laughs> Wallop. <laughs> a little grenade in. Yeah. <laughs> but Why? Just that—that's that, the best thing you can say in Punishment. You know someone said why, mm. and just put them on. Put someone on the spot. Yeah. Then okay, well, and then he'll think, well, I've got to put him on the spot because he put, and they just bump you off, and then uh, away we go.
1: No, it's great. My um, conscious feelings going as well. Last thing then, who's going to win in the half marathon? Are we doing? Are you doing it? Yeah. Silent. Oh,
2: you doing it? He only done it because I was doing. it He's dead <laughs> <Yeah. listening>. uh, <laughs> To be honest, I felt my calf the other day, so I'm having a week yeah, off. I'm going, well, yeah, am what yeah, do you say about yeah. being sick and injured yeah. and stuff like that? No, well, or? what I didn't want to do is get injured and miss it. I, I, I'm not injured. <coughs> well, you've only got one calf, haven't you? <laughs> 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 I
1: think he texted me today, Chris, ran with. I didn't go running at the weekend, but um, nah I'm going, to, uh, yeah, I'm going to have a go doing it. Yeah, yeah, no, looking forward to it.
2: And we were already me where the derby was going to go, so the derby's it's going through Monday night, so it, uh, it's worked out
1: quite well, actually. Yeah, the league will be done by then anyway might be done on that weekend mm. Jay I know you're a busy man thanks thank so. So. okay yeah, yeah, really cheers nice. boys cheers. thanks yeah. a lot
0: thank you mate thank you very much for watching the Legit podcast um, please we'd really appreciate it if you click the subscribe button leave a review re- leave a comment and
1: share it with everyone you know yeah we've been doing 50 episodes now seems to have been a success and it's thanks to all the support we've had along the way so big thanks from me and Tom and please keep the support coming